Right, well, this morning I want to share with you some interesting thoughts. It's kind of all over the place, and then we're going to have tea and braai and pray and things like that. But, but let's just pray, because the worship was very distracting for me this morning, the last few weeks. It's just been, just been lovely. Um, so yeah, let's just pray. And Lord, we just thank you for worship. Yeah, thank you that we come in so distracted. And I know that our minds and our lives are, are just filled with so many things. And yet the one thing that you desire is our worship, Lord. So we thank you that we have times and opportunities and moments just to say thank you, just to adore you, and just to say that we belong to you. And we thank you for that this morning, Lord. And we pray that your spirit would help us switch off our phones and just be attentive to what you would like to say to us this morning, Jesus. Amen. So there is a thing, silent function on your cell phone. If you don't know how to use it, you shouldn't have a cell phone. And there are plenty of te- teenagers that you, can, that you can give it to. See, you here. It's a bit worrying. <laughs> are you sick? Okay, well, have to pray for Sue. Nice to see you. And Jane, you're also back. You made it back from the other end of the world. It's nice to have you home. So let me share two scriptures and then um, some stories and thoughts for you this morning. Oh, can you believe it? There's my phone pinging. It's got a do not disturb function on it, so it actually doesn't get anything except my daughters. So those ping through. It's on silent. Forgive me, Lord. So 2 Corinthians 5.17, I quoted a few weeks ago, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old translation said, says, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. And then Colossians, the end of chapter 1 from verse 24 says, Now rejoice in what I am suffering for you, for I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. And Paul says, I have become its servant, the church's servant, by the commission of God, or the commission God gave to me, to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden from the ages and generations, but is now disclosed to God's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles 
the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so empowers and works within me. So there are some thoughts, and I'm going to read some more um, from 2 Corinthians just now. But we had an interesting week. Um, we started this week, we went off to the Waterberg. It was Yuri and myself and two colleagues from the Gereformeerde Kerk, Jakob and, um, and Willem and Gavin from New Creation, from Northcliffe Union, sorry. And we went off to the Waterberg just to spend some time grappling with the text of Galatians. And again, one of the things that was just like striking me this week is just the enormity of God's world. I mean, to walk in creation on the one hand, just to be out of the city and, you know, not walking on concrete for a change and looking up at stars and things like that. And the Waterberg is, is quite amazing. They do a lot of um, sort of star presentations and, you know, things like that. And, and we were walking out in the bush at night and, and I was just looking up at the heavens going, I just don't see this in Joburg. I think the pollution is so bad at the moment, there's about two stars that you can see um, at night. But, you know, you walk out in the bush and you look up and you, and you just see the heavens. And you just think his world of, you know, God's story and his plan. And it's just so much bigger than I ever thought it was. And I just keep getting reminded of that again and again and again. And I guess that's what's just sitting on my heart this morning. So I've shared this with you, some of you might remember, um, just part of my story that I've shared a few times, but when I was in about, it was about 40 years ago now, if I can think of it. But I had a few, there were a few moments in my life where I just, you know, just had to say to God, I need you. Um, I'd like to walk with you. And for many of us, there are sometimes specific dramatic encounters. Others, it's more kind of, you know, they, you know maybe you spend lots of time in church. Um, and during the worship and that, there's, there are these times that you just, you know, you say silly things like you agree with a song and you say, I'm yours and I belong to you. And God goes... Okay then, thank you very much. You know, and so, so for some there's these like, some people can go, oh, you know, on this day, at this time, at this year, I gave my life to the Lord and something dramatic happened. And others have different experience. I'm not prescriptive in how this should happen. But I had a couple, and I remember as, um, as a teenager, a young teenager, I had a cousin and um, he was busy doing campus ministry on, on Witz campus, and he gave me um, this, you know, four spiritual laws or whatever it is, pamphlet from Campus Crusade. And, um, and there'd been a few sort of times where I, you know, was reaching out to God. And, and there was this, this one specific night 
in my room on my bed where I took this Campus Crusade pamphlet and I prayed this prayer at the end of it. And, and I know that something happened that night. There was just, you know, there, there was some encounter with God that I had. And I'll never forget that the, exp- the feeling that I had was that the old is gone and something new has happened. I felt like my guilt and sin was washed away and I was made new. And it was like 10 years later. Maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, preaching moment. Maybe it was five or six, okay? That I read the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I, I read this verse, therefore if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, I can't even read it in the NIV. I just remember it in the New King James. And I just, I looked at this verse and I was like, but that's exactly what happened to me. And that's exactly what I felt. Because I actually experienced the sense of of just, forgiveness and freedom and life and something new. And so, you know, we call it being born again. We can call it, you know, surrendering to Christ, following Christ, whatever terminology you want. I just want to say that there needs to be moments in our lives where we decisively say yes to God. That there are times, whether it is in church or under the stars, whether it's on your bed or with your dog while you're walking, and myriad of that, Where where each of us is saying, there is a propensity within all of us to be the center, to be in control. But we need to say, Jesus, you're the one. You're boss, you're Lord, you're king. And I love that song, Jesus be the center. Because naturally, the way we built, the way we've grown up, whether it's it's genes and everything, and neurons and everything, we naturally are the center of our world. And we sing that song, Jesus Be the Center. And it is a song of surrender and a song of salvation, saying, my life no longer revolves around me. You are the center. So in the words of the New Testament that, are, that we don't use the whole time, he is kurios, Lord. Messiah, Savior. And so if you think you've done that, do it again. And again and again and again. Because for me, surrender is a continual walk. There there have been moments of my life where I can say, that that was a first-time experience for me. But it wasn't a last time experience. 
because, you know, it's like, like kids playing with toys, you know? Maybe the kid's playing with the toys. And you can maybe take Lizzie, and you can take Matthew, and you can say, these are your toys, Lizzie, and these are your toys, Matthew. And then what happens is you go into the kitchen, or you go make coffee, or you do a Zoom call or whatever, and you come back, and Lizzie has all the toys. And Matthew's crying, or vice versa. <laughs> and, and I'm like Lizzie. I did, you know what I mean? I, I take my stuff back. My worries and my life and my sin and all those things. I like, just, I, I like, just don't bring it all back to me. You know? If we just do that. And there are times that I go, Lord, I'm carrying all this stuff. I'm stressed and I'm worried. And like life is out of control and, and like, and, 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 whatever it is. And I go, I'm not meant to live like this. I want you to show me how to live. And I want to be a follower of you. So that was, oh goodness, is a bride 11. That was just the one little thing I wanted to say. But I, it's, it's critical. It's foundational to, to everything that we do. But then the other thing is that when I did that, and for many years... For me, that was like, it was almost like the be-all and end-all. So, for instance, in the 80s when we had the four spiritual laws and EE3 and Campus Crusade and everything like that, the prayer was presented to us in this context. If you were to die tonight, how would you know that you're going to heaven? Do you remember that, Belinda? Do you remember that prayer? That was, it was like... And, and so much of the story centered around salvation, give your life to Jesus, and part of it was, well, fire insurance. There was, there was a story. It was, it was like, give your life to Jesus now for the future. And, they were, and we got excited and we followed the Lord. And, and, and it did mean a whole lot of things. I mean, for Bev and I, the youth group that we were, we were involved in, and, and that it did mean a whole lot of things. But I didn't get that, man, the story was bigger than that. It was just so much bigger than that. So let me tell you something that we keep thinking about with all this. Do you know that for Paul, when Paul wrote to Corinth and Colossae and Galatia and that, for the first century Jews, Paul never really spoke about heaven and hell. The issue was not say a prayer and go to heaven. For the Jews, the Jews of Jesus' day and Paul's day, they were concerned with a far sort of bigger and imminent problem. Their problem was that as a nation, they wanted to be ruled by God and experience His presence and His blessings. So the, the word that the, the Jews used, one of them, was shalom. They would say that to one another. But, but Jews, the Israelites wanted to live experiencing shalom. Peace with God, peace in your home, with your family, peace with your neighbors, 
provision from God, prosperity from God, blessing from God. And the, the sense of, you know, we are living under God's rule and within His world. But the Israelites very, very seldom, you read the whole of the Old Testament, and some of it is then, most of it is now. It's the problem now is your idols. The problem now is that you're not following God and being obedient to God and experiencing His favor. The Philistines are blixoming the hell out of you because now you've like done all this stuff. You're not, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it, was, it was all about then. And for the Jews of Jesus' day, it was the same. They were like, we're living in a world... But their literal, geographical, political, socio-economic world was oppression. They had been invaded. And they were living under, under the this, this superpower. And the temple was corrupt. And the whole system of the temple was just, it was in, it was like, it was, Gupta's all, it's like all over again. Like, this is like on that scale. And, and, and so they were saying, so the hope of the prophets is that Messiah would come and free them, that they would live in the presence and under the gaze of God forever. But now. And then you think of that. And then Jesus came and he said, well, let me teach you how to pray. Our Father in God in heaven, like hallowed be your name. Worship is important. Your whole world shouldn't center about, around you. It should center on Jesus be the center. Your kingdom come in heaven when I die. No, here on earth. Now. We want to live in your reign forever and on into eternity. And that's even how Jesus taught us to pray. And so again, I mean, I, I just, we were talking and praying and, um, and, and the message. But we do that individually. We go, it's all about me. And, <laughs> shall we enjoy that? <laughs> and you know, the thing is, it's like, it, it, you know, it's actually all about God. It's all about his world. It's all about his people. But that includes me. And it includes my future. But it's just, it's so much bigger than that. So much bigger than that. And so when we read Galatians and Colossians and that, and, and you were talking about Galatians, that's what Paul is talking about. I will land this before 11. So the promise to God in Abraham in Genesis 15. 
So this thing starts. God forms a people with Abraham. And he says, this nation, this people, will be my people. They'll belong to me. But they're going to be a light and a blessing to the nations. And what did Israel do? They made it all about themselves. And they made it all about keeping their laws and keeping... And they just multiplied where God gave the law to bring revelation of who he was. They just multiplied all the stuff. Wear this, don't do this, like do your hair like this, cover this, whatever. And they just completely lost the plot. And then it became this thing of separation. And, and it was like the Jews became such a separate people, not to model to the rest of the world, but, well, we can't be with you because you're unclean. And so the whole story around Galatia and all of that was like, no, God has one people. Now that Messiah has come, the fulfillment of what God always wanted has been broken open for all the world, literally the Gentiles, the pagans. I'm going to tell these children's church people that church doesn't end at 10 o'clock. Note to self. <laughs> but, so think of that. Think of the implications. So South Africa, what did we do? So South Africa, the church, took this message and somehow over the years said, you know, one part of the church, actually this church. It's like, we would like all the toys. You know, and we don't really want to be a people. So like, we Afrikaans people, we'll have these toys, and um, you know, other people, Indians can have some toys down in Chatsworth, and the black people can have some toys over there, but they really had all the toys. And in the, name of the, in the name of the church, in the name of the gospel, it's like we completely distorted the thing. Completely distorted the thing. And now, what Paul is saying here, the mystery that was hidden through the ages and through the generations, it was a mystery that was hidden. It has been revealed That now, through Messiah Jesus, we can be one nation, one people belonging to God. And so, the two things that keep striking me, the story is much bigger than I ever thought it was. You, know, you just think of these, like, all these churches in South Africa and Europe and Germany and that. You get all these famous theologians. They didn't realize it was that big. But we do that. This story is so much bigger than I thought it was. And so with that comes a huge responsibility, massive responsibility. 
Because Paul says that literally in this passage, and he says it in, in many other places, the mystery is made known. It's like, I don't even know why he says it. It's, it's an open secret. But he says this. He says it was made known to the saints for the Gentiles or for the nations. And so now we have been included in the story. We go, wow. We've been included. But the rest of the world still doesn't get it. Paul says literally here, the mystery has been revealed to us, but for them. And so again, if you follow my think, same problem. We've got the mystery. <laughs> but the world still needs to know. So I had a lot more I want to share with you this morning because I'm grappling with all of this and thinking about it and praying about it. But there's two practical things that we can land on. Just the wow factor. I just want to impress on that on you again. Just the sense of wow. And with wow comes worship. What, what do we do? We just, we go, thank you, thank you, God. What we had with Dylan and the team now needs to just be my life. My life needs to be worship. My life needs to be, wow, God's world is bigger. His plan is bigger. His eternity, it's just, wow. And let that, wow, just like sink into everything I do. And then with that, what is the sense of, but, you know, these people... There's a world that needs to be included. And so we hold the sense of wow with responsibility of like, we pray for our world, we hold our world. Paul in Romans 8 talks about we just groan by the Spirit. We just groan every time Putin sends a rocket or it's just we groaning. Lord, what the heck? And then we realize that there's those around us that haven't got the mystery. They still think it's about them. And that comes with a huge responsibility. Because then if we live with the sense of wow and worship, maybe they might even just ask why we're we so crazy. And so I've shared this so often. You know, this is, this is not a story about we're going to start an evangelism project or 
not even going there. But it's, it's like John Wimber just said. He said, share his story and share your story. And sometimes we just need to ask the Lord, would you give us opportunities again just to share your story? Because it is really, it's just, it really is wild. Like, Lord, give us opportunities just to share your story and to share our story. I've done stupid, stupid things in the sense of just going, oh, let me pray this. And then you go like, hang on. And we sing stuff and God goes, okay. (laughs) And that's where we share our story. So let's pray that. Lord, that really is my prayer this morning, that we wouldn't just sing these songs and worship for a half an hour. We ask that you would impress on us, that you would show us again, that you would immerse us with the sense of that you have done so much. It really is crazy, Lord. You have given us so much. And we pray that you would revive again and stir again. Just a sense of wonder, Lord. And so, Lord, where we've been busy this week, where we've been grumpy with load shedding, or the traffic, or whatever, whatever it is that like we've been distracted with. We ask that you would just reinvigorate a sense of wonder. Wonder at your work and wonder and just draw us back into worship. And open our eyes to those around who we need to share the story with, Lord. Because it really is your story. 